Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Well, Marcus, the only two interceptions we've thrown here, I think Marcus and Nick are roommates. I don't know what the deal is on that. You know, Mariota's off to a great start yesterday. He looks like, you know, the galloping ghost out there. And then today he throws four incredible passes. And, I, you know, I think uh, he and Nick are probably having a, a beer down at the, uh, you know, Caesars Palace right now. I don't know what the hell that's all about. But Nick is, a, you know, he's an instinctive player. You know, when you're in zone coverage, you're reading the quarterback, and he telegraphed both of those throws, and uh, it's really kept him away from having one hell of a camp. And he is having a good camp, but he could be having an outstanding camp had it not been for a couple of interceptions. That's Raiders head coach John Gruden today at the practice facility in Henderson, which is where I am right now, uh, talking about Nick Wachowski, another interception of Marcus Mariota, who's having a fabulous training camp, by the way. Uh, today, uh, a perfect read. Looked like Marcus may have locked in uh, a little bit on the receiver. Uh, Nick Wachowski being the KG uh, veteran linebacker that he is playing, as John Gruden talked about in zone coverage, uh, stepped in to, to, to make an interception. Would have been a pick six because uh, he was on his way uh, down the other side of the field. Uh, but curiously, I asked Nick about, hey, because uh, if you listen to the clip, John Gruden's talking about how um, Nick Wachowski and Marcus Mariota are roommates. And so I was like, I asked Nick that, you know, about him being roommates. And he's like looking at me like, what are you talking about? You know, and um, I could see just by how he was looking at me like, what? And so, you know, I was saying, yeah, John said that you guys are roommates and that it was kind of funny that you, and he's like, I don't know what he's talking about uh, with that. So it sounds like Nick Kwiatkowski being roommates with Marcus Mariota was news to, to Nick Kwiatkowski. It's uh, lesson number one where sometimes uh, the head coach has got so much that he's thinking about that uh, he must have just completely brain froze on, you know, who was, who was rooming with who and all that kind of stuff, John Gruden. Uh, but in any case, uh, uh, it was a nice pick by Nick Kwiatkowski who um, – it looks like in base defense, when we're talking about base defense, Tanner Muse, when the Raiders are in base defense, at least thus far, Kwiatkowski comes out. The linebackers are Muse, Nick, um, Corey Littleton, and Nicholas Morrow. Uh, Morrow and, and uh, Littleton are more in the inside, kind of lined up in the inside, playing uh, the gaps that they're assigned, with Muse being the outside guy, kind of covering one end. Uh, setting, the, setting that edge, um, you know, for, for run support. When they go to more base packages, or excuse me, um, sub packages, Kwiatkowski comes onto the field, and Muse usually leaves the field. You also have uh, Javin White uh, getting some time in some of those sub packages. So, um, again, and I've been trying to um, alert Raider fans to this, the way Gus Bradley seems to be constructing this defense and divvying up playing time, a lot of it is going to be situationally based in terms of personnel packaging from the other team. I've seen him match up 
when you know John Gruden goes big and heavy, and and the Raiders have a tendency to do that. There's 13 personnel, 12 personnel, 23 personnel, 22 personnel. Um, you know they they do a lot of different things personnel wise. You're going to see that across the league, obviously. Yeah, when the Raiders go play the Baltimore Ravens, they're going to get heavy. They're going to get big. They're going to get powerful. And you need big men uh, to stand up uh, to that. Tanner Muse looks like he's pretty big and pretty stout uh, for a linebacker. Even though he's making that move from safety to linebacker, he's put together pretty well. So I think the Raiders are looking at him, at least now, as somebody they feel can be a better edge setter than maybe Nick Kwiatkowski. But when it comes down to you know, uh, more of, you know, second and long, third and long, where uh, the tendency in the NFL is to throw the ball. Kwiatkowski uh, has has been out there. So, you know, Clee Farrell comes in with the second unit. There's, there's two four-player defensive lines uh, that have been rotating in and out. And it's not like, you know, one guy goes in for another guy or, you know, now you're rotating your defensive ends. It's literally like a hockey line change. The first four um, if you want to call them the starters, Unique Ngakwe, Quinton Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins, Max Crosby. Then they come off the field typically for uh, Carl Nassib and Clee Farrell have been the constant defensive ends uh, on that second man group. And inside, you've got Solomon Thomas, who's been pretty consistent uh, in his spot. And then uh, that other spot has been shared a little bit by Matt Dickerson. Keep an eye on him. Uh, and Darius Phylon. So it's rotating two four-man lines in and out. And I, there's going to be a huge benefit for that. Because when you start thinking about Carl Nassib, Cleve Farrell, Solomon Thomas, and Darius Phylon as your second group of four, that's not a bad group at all. You could make a case that that's every bit as good as the first group, I think Unique Ngakwe uh, changes the dynamic a little bit. He's probably the premier guy uh, out of all eight or nine. But there's a case to be made where Clee Farrell and Carl Nassib rushing off the end in their group and Solomon Thomas and Darius Phylon or Matt Dickerson uh, putting, getting a push uh, up front with, in, in, in their group. They could be every bit as good as, the, as, as that, that first unit. That's a good thing for the Raiders, so don't get caught up. If you're Raider Nation, if you're a Raider fan, well, Cleve Farrell was the fourth pick overall. Um, you know, he should be blah, blah, blah. Who cares at this point? Get the most you can out of Cleve Farrell. He's a good, solid football player. And now being relegated or, or, or with, with the depth that the Raiders have now, it should mean that guys are going to be in really good shape throughout the course of games. I asked Clee Farrell about that when we talked to him, and he's like, look, I'm going to be honest. Guys got burnt out the last couple of years. Why? Because some guys had to play way too darn much. Why was that? Because the Raiders didn't trust necessarily the guys behind them to play more. And even when those guys did play, when they did have to go to the bench – Far too often, they got empty snaps. When that is happening and you're pushing your core guys too much, guess what happens? You have far too many inefficient snaps than efficient snaps. Because even when your best guys are out there, if you're playing them too much, if you're forced into a situation where you have to extend their minutes or push them to and sometimes beyond their limit, it's 
diminished returns. You're getting empty snaps in return rather than efficient snaps. You go to a group of eight, nine, sometimes 10. I can make a case for that because I haven't even mentioned the name Malcolm Kuntz. Malcolm Kuntz, for the most part, has been working with the second or excuse me, the third and fourth units. It's not that unusual this stage of somebody's career. They don't need him to be a starter. They don't need him to be a guy that's going to play heavy, heavy, heavy snaps this year. But they want to get to a, him to a point, and I think it's fully or it's, it's within his grasp to be a guy that they can play situationally and in package and have this guy that is an elite pass rusher. And he is. There might be flaws in, in Malcolm Kuntz's games, you know, in terms of being an overall player. But you go put the tape on of Malcolm Kuntz at the University of Buffalo, and it becomes apparent pretty darn early that he knows how to get to the quarterback. And it's not just because he was faster than everybody in that division, and it's not just because he was stronger than everybody in that division, or at least the, the offensive tackles, tight ends, offensive linemen that he was dealing with. He was smarter <laughs> than a lot of those guys. He knew what the heck he was doing as a pass rusher. And if you can, you know, th- this is what general managers, scouts, coaches are looking for. You could be a one-trick pony in the NFL and make a lot of money if that one-trick pony is, like, elite. If you're able to do one thing really darn well, you're going to have a nice little career. Now, the goal is as you move on in your career, you, you, you lift up those other areas to acceptable, to average. But... If you can, for as long as you can maintain an elite skill set, and especially on the defensive line, you're going to be able to make yourself some money and make a nice little living. And there's just certain guys that have that wiggle, that have that uncanny ability to figure out ways to get to the quarterback, to lose their dude, to beat their dude. It might not be with them because you're strong as an ox. It might not be uh, because you're as fast as Carl Lewis. If you're smart, if you know how to set people up, if you have a natural burst and, um, you know, an an ability to change things up and to understand pass rushing and to understand blocking coverages and blocking assignments and how to defeat whatever that blocker in front of you does well and negate what they do well in order to defeat them. If you're a student of the game and, and just have that, and also there's some uncanny ability now. Let's not, let's not you know, overthink this. Sometimes dudes are just born with certain uncanny abilities to do a certain thing. Still trying to figure out what mine is, but, you know, hey, I f- I'll figure it out at some point. But there's athletes that, you look at the Lakers right now, they're loading up on a lot of different positions, a lot of different skills, uh, but you know uh, some of their more recent signings, guys that could just put the darn ball in the bucket from long range. They might not be able to drive it to the to the to the cup a lick, 
but they can catch and shoot the ball from far distance. And, you know, obviously you're going to have to go play a little bit of defense too. You can't be a complete minus uh, in, in that regard. But if you can shoot the ball well, confidently, in big games, in big moments, when we throw you the ball wide open because everyone's doubling down on Anthony Davis or LeBron James or Russell Westbrook or, 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 or Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Listen to the names I'm naming right now for the Lakers. Dwight Howard, by the way was a big signing. Low-key, but big. They missed him last year. They missed him last year. It's so funny to watch the arc of Dwight Howard because he's doing what every coach that I ever talked about him, talked to about him. All he had to do was master what he's doing now, and he had been in the Hall of Fame. He's still going to the Hall of Fame. But he could have been he could have been in one place for years, and there was value in what he did, just being a premier defender and rebounder. You're going to get your points. You're going to get your 15, 16 points just being around the bucket, catching alley-oops, running and dunking, getting garbage points, rebounds, putbacks. But you didn't need to design. He wanted to – I remember his first go-around with the Lakers. He kind of fancied himself uh, as something more than that, and he wasn't. All they wanted him to do offensively is just – Run the pick and roll, baby. Roll into the basket. We'll get you the ball, and you can dunk it, lay it up. You're going to make a living. And then just go on the other end of the court and defend, which he was tremendous at, and rebound. And you're going to make a you-know-what load of money and be in the league for you and, and stay right here. Going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Matt is in Hoboken. How you doing, Matt, Hob- Matt in Hoboken? Hey, Vinny. How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. Vinny, I just got to – I wanted to ask you about some of your observations uh, of camp. Now, you, you've done a great job telling us, you know, a lot of the positive things that have been going on. And my question to you is, and I'll, I'll take your answer off the air, is please speak on maybe some guys that haven't been having such a great camp, uh, whether that be vis-a-vis their, their performance or maybe their, their engagement or attitude. Uh, please uh, let us know who, what guys have been struggling. Good question. Um... I don't. I can't necessarily say anyone's had a bad uh, training camp. You got to understand. And I try to explain this to people. Um, everybody out here is just tremendous at what they do. They're the top one percent. Um, so it's it's hard to look bad. Uh, you know when you're when you're in in training camp, it's hard to look bad. But there's some guys that just you know stand out a little bit more. If you were to ask me, what am I still concerned about? What do I still have questions about? I need to see Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards do it on a consistent basis. I don't – I mean, they, they've flashed. Uh, Henry Ruggs had a nice day today, has been stacking up some days, uh, you know, uh, already. I need to see it consistently, and I don't know if that's going to be the case. You would think that it is. You would think that he's going to take a big step forward. But until, you know, the lights go on, still, you know, not quite sure uh, about that. I need to see Cle- – or, or – um, uh, um, Corey Littleton, he's going to be asked to be a, uh, you know, they know that he can run with widers or tight ends and, and some wide receivers and running backs and pass coverage. He's been one of the best linebackers in that regard. It didn't show up last year, uh, but you feel like, okay, it should, he should be able to at least get to that point again in terms of the pass coverage, but is he going to be able to hold up uh, against the run? He's going to be, as Gus Bradley talked about, an A and B gap 
uh, run stuffer, um, you know, when that when he's being when asked to in that situation, is he going to be able to hold up in that regard? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Is Jonathan Abram? Is he going to make uh, a stand for himself now at strong safety, playing box safety? It's hard to tell right now until the actual games start and the real bullets start flying, and he's being asked to go you know, tackle somebody, and he's being asked to defend his zone uh, in, in pass coverage, and he's being activated uh, in, in, in pass rush. It looks like he's kind of settled down. I like the demeanor. I like the determination that he's shown. I like the work ethic. Um, but still have to see that. Still have to see that. So, so you know, uh, even though they've, those guys have looked good so far in training camp or, or look like they know what they're doing, and Henry Ruggs look, does look bigger, does look more explosive, made a beautiful catch today over Trayvon Mullen, who had uh, really good coverage. Got to see that in the games. That's the next step, and that's still an unknown. So um, it does look good. There's a lot to, to like about, uh, about what you know, we're seeing from these Raiders. But it has to translate into real games before you sign off on it uh, completely. Uh, but I, I, I will say this. The talent level looks much improved. It just looks better. And I'm not just talking about from last year, although it is noticeable from last year. Uh, but you go back to when John Gruden first got here. It's night and day from that. I know what a good team looks like. There's a lot of different variables that are going to play into how many wins this team gets. But I think talent-wise... They're in much better shape talent-wise uh, to deal with an NFL season this year and to deal with a complete NFL season this year rather than playing half the season like they had the last couple of years. I think the depth is much better. Uh, the shape, the conditioning is much better. Those are all the things that bode well um, for, for um, a, a successful season. So when you're asking me who has looked bad, I'm giving you my honest answer. Nobody has looked bad. But we'll see what happens now for some of these guys uh, in training camp. I think that there's some certainties on this team in ways that maybe haven't been uh, the last couple of years. But there's still some outstanding issues that we have to see uh, when the games start if those have been improved uh, and, and can become certainties. Thanks for the call. I uh, really appreciate it. And a great question. And it's, you know what, TBA uh, at this point. Got to see uh, – some of the, a lot of these guys are looking good, but got to see when the lights go on to make that final uh, determination. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Houston is on the line. How you doing, Houston? Man, it's always a pleasure, man. First, before I start talking, I want to just, just give a shout-out to, to, to your guy, man, the, 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 uh, the sound guy, the brother. Man, I, man, I, man I'm slipping. I'm, I'm forgiving. DeMond, DeMond. DeMond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, and, and you too, Vinny, man. Hey, you do great, brother. I know you came from the Rams and all that, man, but but both my big sisters graduated from USC. So that comment you said earlier about South Carolina, man, I was cringing with you. So, ha, yeah, but now this is what I really <laughs> Yeah, brother, for real, man. But but look, this, this is really what I want to talk about. Your boy Peter King, man, I know you respect him and all that good stuff. I mean, he paved the way for himself. But, man, and I know I'm a diehard fan and all that, but I try to still look at things op- optimistically, you know, on, yep. on both sides, the good and the bad. Peter King, dude, every time I even click over to an article, I'm, I'm just reading, and it's always going to be some hate on the Raiders, man. For what? With that guy. 
for two. I know he doesn't see what we see as far as our defensive backs, as far as our defensive linemen and all that good stuff, but he happens to see it with these other cats, and he's talking about it with them. And, and, and I just think, seriously, he knows that Raiders fan base is going to be a big base to click on and check out, see what they keep talking about. But, dude, he's trash, man, half of the stuff he says. I, I'm just going to keep it 100. I know he paved the way, but he paved the way, like, going through the back door and a lot of that stuff because he's not coming with the actual factual, man. He's full of garbage because, for one, our DB stepped up. We got two good coaches, linebacker and defensive back coach, slid through. Then we got number 55 that I was kind of sketchy on as far as him being drafted third round. But he's coming with heat now, and we got backups that are nice. All of them running fast. You said it yourself, defense looking fast. I get it. You know, we're not the number one squad, but we definitely ain't three or four, dude. Peter King, homie, whatever. Gas face, period. Good call, Houston. Uh, what did he say? Uh, if I didn't read the story that he wrote uh, coming out of Raiders camp because he was here last week. Uh, did he? Did you read the latest story? Was it because uh, it seemed like he was kind of coming around on the Raiders when I was talking to him out at practice? Uh, looks like we've lost uh, Houston. Uh, I got to go back and, and check out the article. Um, you know, I, I felt like talking to him. He was liking what he was seeing. Uh, when we were when we were watching practice together, and then we had him on the show later on that day, um, and and you know he felt it's I sensed some optimism uh, about him, but like everybody right now, like everybody is saying, it's literally going to come down to has that defense improved? It's hard for me to believe that the defense hasn't improved, and part of that uh, is it was just really bad last year, so it's hard to believe that it could stay that bad. It just is, and let alone get worse. So there has to be some improvement. And, you know, what I'm seeing out there, I love the depth. I think the depth is, is much better than it was last year. Uh, and as the old saying goes, you're only as strong as your weakest link because guess what? That weakest link is going to get pressed into duty quicker than you can think. Uh, and then all of a sudden, if it's weak, you're vulnerable. I think the Raiders have shored, you know, that up a little bit. Now, there's still some guys that there's, you know, questions about because they, we just haven't seen it. We haven't seen Henry Ruggs take it to the next level. We haven't seen Brian Edwards take it to the next level. I think we could say with some certainty that Casey Hayward is going to be fine. I think Trayvon Mullen is going to be more than fine, like where he's at. I think the linebacker group, um, however it manifests itself and in, in whatever form it takes, uh, I think is going to be adequate. I, I really think I'd be shocked, shocked. And maybe in five months, four months from now, you're going to go, Vinny, are you still shocked? Because you said you were going to be shocked if this happened. Are you shocked? And if I have to admit that I'm shocked, I will. But I'd be shocked if the defensive line wasn't a good uh, a, a strong part of this team. I'm not saying that it's going to be the 85 Chicago Bears just wreaking havoc. But I think what I see, that work ethic from that defensive line and the skill set that I see uh, from the defensive line, and, and I can honestly say, man, they get <laughs> after it. They get after it, that defensive line, in, in all these different ways that they're, that they're, that they're uh, working out right now. But with, it's just hard for me to believe um, that they're not going to be able to show up. And, I, and, and, you know, we bring it, I'm thinking in my head, I'm visualizing what I'm seeing. 
you know, I go back to that Tanner Muse being on that uh, base defense because remember this, and maybe this is, you know, has a little bit to do with it. Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby right now on, you know, based on what we're seeing are the two starting defensive ends. What's the one area that they've struggled at in their careers? I know that they've changed themselves a little bit physically, gotten bigger and stronger, and that's a good thing, and it should help them in, you know, improve that weakness, which is run defense, by the way. But I think that's where a Tanner Muse comes into play, or somebody like him. Maybe it won't be Tanner Muse, but it looks like it is him for now, because I see him in base defense bringing support on the outside, on that edge, uh, to the right of a Max Crosby, sometimes to the right, to the left of a unique Ngakwe. So maybe that's the thinking. Like, look, we know that we're giving something up here in the run with Unique and Max Crosby. We need a stout, big physical linebacker that can also run if challenged, but somebody that we know that is big and strong enough to be an edge setter and effective in run support. And that's maybe what the thinking is. I'm going to have to ask that question. Uh, next time I talk to Gus Bradley, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonner. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Talking all things Raiders on day six of Raiders training camp. It was a hot one out there today. Uh, it got up to 110 today. I don't think it was quite 110 by the time it wrapped up at 9.30 in the morning. Uh, but it was steamy. No question about it. One of the hotter days of training camp. But that's the way it goes here in Las Vegas. Um, and I, the Raiders love being here. I know that, uh, as John Gruden uh, mentioned earlier, hey, this this area uh, with its no tax, no state tax, just the affordability of living here, the great neighborhoods that are in and around uh, the Henderson facility and elsewhere, uh, this is a place where players want to live year-round. And they've got this sparkling new uh, facility here to work out at year-round. Why would you want to go anywhere else uh, than, than, than right here? And that's what's happening. I live nearby. I keep I talked about this a million times during the offseason. Would drive by the facility just on my various excursions. And there were always cars out here, and not just in the employees' parking lot, but the players' parking lot. Guys were taking advantage uh, of this facility. I told you about Alec Ingold. Uh, I had texted him after OTAs uh, to get some thoughts uh, you know, from him, and, and then I gave him one of those, hey, uh, enjoy your break, see you in training camp. He's like, break? What are you talking about, Vinny? I'm like, yeah, you know, you know there's a break between now and, uh, yeah, there's no days off. And they literally, Alec Ingold, part of that 2019 class, he and uh, the rest of the Raiders that stayed in town are like, dude, there's no days off. We're going to work just as hard over these next 40 days as we did these last uh, you know, eight weeks or so. And you can tell, and I know our next guest, Willie Ramirez, uh, who covers uh, sports here in Las Vegas and has for a long time and done a tremendous job, uh, Willie Ramirez from the Associated Press, he's noticed it too. Willie Ramirez, in case you haven't known, knows a little bit about working out, I'm just going to say. Uh, and so he knows what he's seeing from the conditioning level uh, and the physical level of these players. First of all, Willie, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Appreciate it, my brother. How are you doing? Vinny, my man, what's happening, Paisan? Um, Willie, man, tell me I'm wrong here. I see and we've been noticing that this is a, sh- a-, a club that's in tip-top shape. I can't necessarily say that was the case last year. There were a lot of reasons that played against that. 
The facility wasn't open last year. Guys weren't allowed to come in here. You had to go on the down low to go try to find a place to work out. So for obvious reasons, they're in better shape. But I'm going to take it a step further. They're in as good a shape as I've seen any team that I've covered in a long time. These guys are raring to go right now. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, they look like they're, um, you know, I would imagine you've covered more training camps than I have. Obviously, this is my second season covering the Raiders, but last season we didn't get much time with them, obviously, with a little more shut down, obviously. Um, But I would imagine that these first couple of weeks leading up to the first preseason game, you're going to see a little bit more sluggishness, a little bit more clumsiness. Um, You know, your skill position guys, your top-notch athletes, obviously they're going to be, you know, as close to being at their best, but – I mean, top to bottom, these guys look like it. they're ready to jump into the second week of preseason. They look conditioned. They look fast. They're, they're uh, you know, t- the receivers and DBs going at it the way they were today, just with, you know, pads and shorts was impressive. The running back crew, the linemen. We talked a little bit about this last week when I was on the show as far as the offensive and defensive linemen. I mean, firing off the ball. I was really impressed with the offensive line today uh, or the offensive and defensive line going at it in, in blocking drills. And, and not just so much as the skill level, but, again, the athleticism and the conditioning. And, you know, had a chance to, you know, to ask, ask that of, of several other players and, and, and Gruden. And, and, you know, he, he, everybody agreed that it's just been, you know, they've, they've continually credited – the strength and conditioning uh, staff for getting these guys in the best of shape, putting them in the in the in the right programs, and and really focusing on the skill sets that they that each player possess possesses. You know, each unit, running backs training in a certain manner, wide receivers training in a certain manner, linebackers they all have their own specific training. It's it's all and, and which I'm well familiar with and how it's supposed to be broken down and you know in Given given the the industry that my son's in, and, and and watching him break down different people in different body shapes and different sizes and different athletes, and he's trained retired pro athletes in this town. So I get it, and they look fantastic. I agree, and uh, it 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 uh, should not go overlooked uh, the the angle that you know we've been talking about, and John mentioned uh, today uh, in when when we spoke to him after practice, but that's. Where this facility is, um, the conduciveness in terms of players staying put in the offseason here in Las Vegas or Henderson or wherever it is that they li- live. Because no matter where yeah. you live, it's basically a 30-minute drive. Um, that's the furthest, I should say. Otherwise, it's minutes. I live within minutes uh, of the facility. I know a lot of players live uh, in the same kind of general area. So they're minutes from the facility. It's great neighborhoods, clean neighborhoods, parks. Great weather uh, for the most part, uh, and the cost of living obviously uh, goes without saying. Whereas in California, whether you're talking about the Bay Area or the team that I covered uh, in Los Angeles, even in Thousand Oaks where their facility was was set up, it costs a lot of money there. And not everybody's making that kind of bank where they can just live where they work um, or where they play. And that wasn't the case in the Bay Area, Willie. And I know I checked on that because, I, I, as I was saying in the, in the lead-up, I'd see tons of cars out here at the facility and players kind of coming and going. And I'm thinking, was that the way it was in Oakland? Nope. 
it wasn't. Uh, it's just it costs too much uh, to live in the Bay Area. Uh, how much of a factor do you think that is that guys are just staying put? Why would you want to leave where this is? Because for all the reasons that we're mentioning, it makes sense to live here year round and then to take advantage of this beautiful facility that the Raiders have built for them. Well, yeah, that too. But I think one of the points that John was mentioning today, you know, when he talked about state taxes was not only that, but the, 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 the free agents that they picked up, the guys that they signed, the guys that want to come play here. It's one of the contributing factors. And it's the same thing that we've seen the last four years with the Golden Knights is that, you know, not only is the town and, you know, it's Las Vegas turning into a pro sports town. And the sports fan base that, that's, you know, the fans that's been created and the excitement of playing in a brand new stadium. But that state tax, you know, that, that lack of state tax and, and, and uh, you know, to accommodate the payroll that they're going to be making, it, it certainly helps. So not only guys sticking around during the offseason, but guys wanting to come play here and the talent that they're bringing in. So you have a leadership you know, you have leadership types of guys and veteran types of guys. And, you know, I, I think a couple of you veteran reporters that have known these guys a little bit longer brought this up in that, you know, this may be your third, fourth season, but you, you brought it up the past couple of days. A very good point to some of the guys is that, you know, going back to when Josh Jacobs was made available to us a couple of days ago, in that 2019 class, they now feel like they are, the veterans of this team. And I, I thought it was, uh, you know, intriguing that Josh said, yeah, we, we got together and talked about it and created a group message that, you know, we want to put our stamp on it. We, this is our team. We want to do this. So, yeah, the guys want to stick around. They want to stay here. They've created this bond. They've created this somewhat of a unit that now, you know, it's almost like a college team, right? You get the, you get, you get a college coach in and he, he finally gets rid of, somewhat of the previous coaches staff and it takes a couple of years and now it's his crew. This is now the here and now Raiders and they've lived, you know, that this is their second year here, but you know, this is a group that feels that they've come together and it's now time to make a statement as the Las Vegas Raiders. They were the Las Vegas Raiders last year, but it was their first year here. Now they've had a year. We've gotten past the, you know, we're still involved in this terrible pandemic, but you know, they, they can get in the facility. They've gotten a full off season. They've gotten through OTAs. They're training together. And, and staying in Las Vegas, staying in Nevada is certainly a huge component to the, to the success or what could be the success of this team this season, which right now I'm pretty optimistic about. Yeah, and we're talking to Willie Ramirez. You can uh, follow him at Willie G. Uh, Ramirez. He does a tremendous job uh, covering Las Vegas sports, including the Raiders, uh, for the Associated Press here uh, in, in Southern Nevada. And, Willie, I'm glad you mentioned that 2019 uh, group. It, it just, you can feel it. You can feel them grown up uh, now, and it doesn't take long. I was, I was uh, you know, uh, texting with uh, one of the players uh, yesterday, and it was like, you know, you blink an eye and we're in our third year now. It's unbelievable that it's happened this fast, but here we are. And, you know, you you, meant, you made a great point about the college uh, aspect of it. These guys are juniors now. You know what I'm saying? Like this, that 2019 group uh, are juniors now. And that's when you usually are starting to really, um, you know, fill your oats, spread your wings. This team is becoming your team. Uh, and I, I truly get the feel like that's how they feel. And you're right. Josh Jacobs talking about the group text where they yeah. – 
pledged to themselves, we're going to be the foundation. And he, and this is where he was really shrewd, uh, Willie. He said, and there was a, a an acknowledgement and an understanding, but we can't come in and force it. There were still a bunch of veterans left on that team. They can't just go take it. They had to go earn it. And what did Josh Jacobs said? You do that by working. Just go out there and work, and the rest is going to take care of itself. Um, but are, are you sensing that there's been a changeover? Derek Carr is always going to be the face of this franchise, and rightfully so for how, however long uh, he's here. But that group that of Alabama kids, Clemson kids, uh, Alec Ingold is from Wisconsin, but they won 42 games while he was there uh, at Wisconsin. They're used to winning. They don't tolerate losing, and it feels like they're becoming the heartbeat of this team. They are, and I think, I think Derek's going to embrace that because he kind of feels like, with 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 the almost like the weight of the show, weight you know that's on his shoulders of this team the bird not even a burden but just you know he's got his supporting cast can, is coming into its own I mean you look at some of the names on this roster that's in its third year between Hunter Renfro you know uh, Josh Jacobs on the defensive side Max Crosby Cleveland Farrell I mean there are a lot Andre James right he's he's now stepping into the center role AJ Cole a, Foster Moreau AJ Cole. Keelan Doss. There's a lot of names on that roster that are now going to be able to, and they've come in together to form, as you said, like they're like juniors. And here's the here's sort of the the old standby veteran, and he's it's kind of like his kids, right? There he can just sit back and watch them sort of grow into their roles, and now. He doesn't have to carry them. He doesn't necessarily have to guide them and teach them and lead them. You know, you remember there was a question I asked him last year where he became visibly frustrated, and it was the game where the offensive line, four starters were, you know, were on the COVID list, and then and he never tried to show frustration. He always tried to stay positive in the huddle, but you could see he was visibly frustrated. And, of course, it was understandable what was taking place at that time, but in this case – the big names that you see that are in their third year, he doesn't have to lead and guide. And I think that that's, he's welcoming that. He doesn't feel like he has to be the face of this franchise. You know, and, and, and Gruden made a, a poignant a, you know, statement today where when I asked him about Josh Jacobs, I wrote a story today for the Associated Press, and he said that he's the strength of this team. You know what I mean? And they're going to ride him as, as far as they can as long as he's healthy. And I thought that was very, very poignant when you consider who the quarterback of this football team is. So, you know, along with a lot of other third-year players, I think Carr is embracing this. And I think he's going to enjoy this. Well, because he absolutely, because he knows that it's going to be not only to his benefit, but the team's benefit. And, you know, how many times has Derek Carr said to us, I've done this, I've done that, made it to the Pro Bowl, made it that, I've been the highest-paid player in the game, blah, 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 blah. I want to win now. And for him to win... He needs those guys and the guys uh, out, you know, that, that have come uh, beyond them uh, to hold up their end of the bargain. Last question for you, Willie. Uh, we talk yeah. about this uh, 2019 class. We talk about some of the impressive uh, players that we're seeing from this 2021 draft class. Alex Leatherwood was firing off the ball, mauling people uh, today. Uh, Trayvon Morg looks like he's going to solidify that starting job uh, at free safety. But we can't forget about the 2020 class, and I think that – um, it got dealt some uh, difficult, a difficult set of cards with the situation uh, of last year. But we're seeing that.
that group, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Tanner Muse may be earning himself uh, a starting role in, in base defense. We can't overlook, I don't believe, that 2020 class and their progress is going to be every bit as important as what 2019 provides as well. Absolutely, because they, in a sense, when you look at it, they come in as, you know, if we if we're keep referring to the college analogy, right? So, we, so they come in as freshmen with the class that you were talking about as sophomores. So they kind of feel a part of it, and now they're, they're in that core that's trying to somewhat build this team. And I think it's a brand new, it's an entire, the veterans that are on this team, right, they're, they're, they're outweighed by the number of youth the 2019 class, the 2020 class. So I believe that they don't – I don't think that other than the rookies this year, even those top players from 2020, they were such big names that I feel as if they all feel that this is their team. I don't think that any of them feel like newcomers like we're talking about. So I think that the 2020 feels just as much a part of the, of the, the budding success that this team, the potential that it has, along with the class of 2019 um, – from everyone that you mentioned, from Ruggs on one side of the ball, Brian Edwards to Damon Arnett on the other side of the ball, these guys all have something to prove, and they play with a chip on their shoulder, and they come from big-time programs, from the Clemsons to the Alabamas to the Ohio State. They're, like you said, they're not used to losing. You know, They come in with a huge chip on their shoulder. They want to win. You know, uh, Josh Jacobs talked about it about the other day. You know, He said the running back's room feels like it, like it did back at Alabama, where it's stacked, and he loves it. He doesn't – you know – it doesn't feel like competition. It just feels like a, a bunch of healthy, talented backs. And I think that that's the way it is all around. I mean, you look at the receiving core, Vince, uh, Vinny, you look at the different shapes of bodies that, that, that Carr has to throw to, from a big body in Brian Edwards to a scrappy young guy in Hunter Renfro to Darren Waller, a receiver-like tight end. I mean, different shapes and sizes for him to be able to throw to. There's, it's just all around the talent on this team from top to bottom and – um, the depth at each position and the youth movement, it, it, it really does feel like it's, it's somewhat of a new age team and that's going to come into its own. And it's, and it's somewhat the foundation is the 2019 uh, class littered with some of the 2020 guys who were supposed to make a statement last year, but through the troubled COVID season um, can now come into their own this year. I agree. And then you, you add an older brother like, uh, unique in Gakwe and maybe an older cousin like Kenyon Drake and Casey Hayward, uh, guys that have been there, done that, and are given sort of that stamp of approval. I could tell yep. just by and talking. In, in, incognito. You know, and you say that like the big brother that's perfect. It's a perfect phrase because it's for each unit, right? It's like it's almost like they have a big brother on each unit perfect to mold these young studs that are that are just ready to just bust loose and, and make a statement this season. Completely agree. Uh, Willie, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. I know you've got a, uh, a deli to head to, so I want a full report uh, tomorrow. I'm not going to throw the name out there unless you want to uh, put it out there, uh, but uh, I've heard about it, and I know it's a great Italian deli here in town. I can't wait old to check it deli. out. The old school deli, the old school where the old wise guys used to go and the – course uh we'll talk about it tomorrow we'll all talk. right beautiful we'll, I'm I'll, 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 I'll fill you in tomorrow in the press room and i'll let you bring it up i'm looking forward to it paisan thanks so much for spending some time with us uh go enjoy your uh, your dinner tonight brother 
All right, brother. Talk to you soon. You got it. That's Willie Ramirez. Uh, he covers uh, sports here in Las Vegas for the Associated Press. Does a tremendous job uh, and is a great resource uh, when it comes to things like great Italian restaurants. I'm Italian. I like to eat. I like my Italian restaurants. So Willie, uh, from the get-go, he's like my paisan from another from another mother. He hooks me up on the uh, on the great places around town. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio 928. Oh, so. I mean, they're the oldest guys on our team now, the third-year veterans. And, um, you know, Max Crosby and Farrell and Abram, you know, we had great press conferences when they got here. And, you know, now's their time. You know, we need them all to step up and not only play good, but be leaders on this team. And uh, I'm encouraged by what they're saying. I'll be more encouraged when I see what they do. No question about it. It ultimately comes down to what happens uh, on the football field. Otherwise, it's just a whole bunch of talk. And all we can go on at this point is, you know, what are we seeing now that might be different than what we saw before? Uh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Um, what I'm seeing now is a better overall talent level uh, on the Raiders. You add in a guy like Unique Ngakwe and uh, Casey Hayward. You get back Richie Incognito. You draft a guy like Alex Leatherwood, who looks the part right now. You draft a guy like uh, Trayvon Morg. He looks the part right now. Um, so from a talent, Kenyon Drake. Looks like Henry Ruggs is better. Looks like Brian Edwards is better. John Brown, Willie Sneed, the wide receivers that they brought in, obviously Darren Waller. The talent level looks sufficient. I'm not saying it's a Super Bowl team, but what are we talking about here? We're talking about can the Raiders take the next step to be a legitimate playoff contender? By the way, um, seeing some talk and scuttlebutt, you know, uh, with what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts right now with Carson Wentz, and, you know, hey, uh, with him going down and that team being, you know, kind of a playoff-ready team right now in terms of the, what's around the quarterback, you know, would the Colts be interested in perhaps calling the Raiders to check on Marcus Mariota, who has been having a nice camp? If I'm the Raiders, I'm like, I'm hanging up. Unless you're going to offer something crazy like a first-round pick or something like that, which the Colts aren't going to do that. But if I'm the Raiders and I'm realistically looking at things and being honest about the situation and – Part of an honest assessment is saying the playoffs are a viable goal this year. The playoffs are a viable goal. I don't care what anybody says out there. I don't care what the chatter is nationally or what people are saying on Twitter. If I'm the Raiders, I truly believe this is a team, talent-wise, coaching-wise, depth-wise, that absolutely should push for a playoff uh, position this year, a playoff spot this year. I truly believe that if I'm the Raiders. Now, do I think that if I'm the Raiders, winning the division is a valid or viable goal? Uh, you know, I'm going to want to win the division. I'm going to shoot to win the division. I'm going to talk up winning the division. I'm going to push my players and, and everybody in the building to shoot for that goal. But in my heart of hearts, I'm thinking, okay, the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, they're in their wheelhouse right now. They're coming off two straight AFC uh, championships. It's going to be a tough road to hoe 
to overtake them. Okay, just being honest about it. The good news is there's a whole other division. It's called the wild card division. And the Indianapolis Colts and Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens and Chicago or Cleveland Browns, Miami Dolphins, and the Indianapolis Colts all figure into that in somehow, some way. So if I'm the Raiders and the Colts, who I think, and you know, the Raiders play the Colts this year, and I and 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 forecasting them as part of that wild card path, I'm not helping the Colts at all. I don't care if they offer a fourth round pick for Marcus Mariota. So we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. What sense does it make to help the Colts who figure to be in that playoff chase with the Raiders? So I want to say thanks uh, to uh, William Ramirez for joining us from the Associated Press. Thanks to Demon Cotton for making us sound great. Thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to the callers. Always bring it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. on In the Huddle. Hey guys, it's Vinny B, and I want to talk to you about Embajador Tequila, the official tequila of Raider Nation Radio's In the Huddle. Whether it's celebrating a big win or just kicking back after work, adding Embajador Tequila takes every gathering to the next level. The care, quality, and patience put into every bottle can be tasted from the first sip to the last, and it's why we're honored to call Embajador our teammate. So do yourself a favor and pick up some Embajador Tequila on your next stop at the store, or just go to their website, EmbajadorTequila.com. Embajador Tequila, the official tequila of Raider Nation Radio's In the Huddle. So, Chuck, there are so many loan companies out there. How do you pick the right one? That's easy. What we tell everyone to do is call around first, then come to Dollar Loan Center. Try this. Call any short-term or payday lender. Tell them you want to borrow 500 bucks for one week and ask them the total amount you will owe after that week. It's a real simple, straightforward question, and then you can do the math from there. Well, how much does that cost at Dollar Loan Center? $19.25. Really, less than 20 bucks in interest to borrow $500 for a week. It's only $2.75 a day with no other fees to borrow 500 bucks at the DLC. Wow, I'm speechless. And there's no way any of our competitors cost less. That was Chuck, founder of DLC, where you can get up to five grand in minutes at over 50 locations. You can also apply over the phone or online at don'tbebroke.com. Licensed by the Nevada Financial Institutions Division. Annual percentage rate of 199.99%. For additional cost information, call 866-550-4352. Certain limitations may apply. Loans are subject to approval. Clay Baker here. 90% of the people that get into an accident don't realize that they have right all Sam and Ash Injury Law. If you've been hurt in an accident, there is recovery, justice, and a bright future. If I ever get into an accident or any of my inner circle needs a lawyer, it's Sam and Ash Injury Law all the way. Save the number in your phone as Clay Baker's lawyer. 702-820-1234. Nevada's very own. 702-820-1234 or SamandAshLaw.com. Get ready to go all in. It's a night of hard hitters and high rollers. It's the inaugural Vegas Kickoff Classic, Saturday, September 4th at Allegiant Stadium. Arizona Wildcats, BYU Cougars, yeah, baby. Catch the Wildcats and Cougars as they open the college football season right off the Vegas Strip. It's big time. It's showtime. It's go time. Saturday, September 4th, the Vegas Kickoff Classic. Get your tickets at lvbowl.com. 
This summer, get in the game and earn cash for betting sports with the William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app on your phone or tablet. During William Hill's summer rewards, earn up to $500 cash back. Between now and August 5th, you'll be eligible for cash back points for every wager made, win or lose, on the William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app. You'll also earn bonus cash back for teasers and parlay card wagers made on the app. To enroll in summer rewards and to see participating locations, visit williamhill.us. That's williamhill.us. Turn big plays into major paydays with BetMGM. Are you ready to join the action? Well, you should be. It's easy. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any of the nine MGM resort destinations on the Strip with your state-issued ID for a speedy sign-up, and you'll be able to place bets from anywhere in Nevada. Then, get ready for non-stop excitement with dozens of sports betting options available on the BetMGM app, including in-play wagering, props, parlays, and so much more. Step into the betters box and swing for the fences with a baseball wager or go for a big score when you bet on your favorite soccer team. Download the app today and stop by a BetMGM Sportsbook in Las Vegas to register. Turn game time into showtime with BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks and an official betting partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. Go online, visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Sound off Raider Nation. Join GT.